Welcome to Do Ladies Do That. I'm Molly. And I'm Becca. And we're just two lesbians who decided to take our discussions about LGBTQ plus media out of the DMs and into a podcast. So for today's topic, we're going to be talking about queer baiting. So queer baiting is the practice of hinting at, but not actually depicting or confirming a queer character or relationship on screen. This started with queer coding in the 70s-ish, because before then it was the only way to get past censorship. So it started with queer coding, which is is a character that has stereotypical queer attributes aren't explicitly in the text itself. So the main idea for this is females with masculine qualities and males with feminine qualities and usually in queer coding it's to be ridiculed or portrayed as a joke or as if the characters are more villainous than say the masculine male character or the feminine female character. Yeah I think that definitely contributes to a lot of stereotypes as well doesn't it? Yeah. Like you know it sort of has a negative impact on the community. It's where people get them like oh let's lesbians have short hair you have to look more masculine gay men have to dress feminine and stuff like that which is very unhealthy but obviously at the time in 1970 that's just the way it was very taboo very uh you know not normalized in the slightest and it was sort of the only way to get past the legislation and like the censorship yeah so it was used to get past censorship to have some portrayal of lgbt characters Mm -hmm. But I think it went completely the wrong way because a lot of the time it's looked at as them being the evil character. They're not very nice. Very villainized. Yeah. It's taught filmmakers over the years what queer characters should look like. So a lot of the stereotypes that were used back then are still being used today, which is quite damaging mm-hmm. because there's so many different ways to be who you are, regardless of your sexuality. You don't have to be a butch woman to be a lesbian. We've evolved so much. Yeah. And I don't think film tv shows show that as much as they could be when they're portraying lgbt characters now i don't think they are well they could be but i don't think they're intentionally being homophobic but the origins of what they're doing is homophobic because it's censoring the lgbt community i mean i know that we still don't have as much representation as we like deserve as a community but i can't imagine being like you know around that time and the only representation you have is being the butt of every joke. That must have been so hard to watch, yeah. especially as, like, I don't know, a lesbian or, like, a gay man, bisexual person, you know, stuff like that. With queer coding, and I think mostly queer baiting, I'm not too sure with queer coding, it was a way to include LGBT characters and not alienate the cis straight people. So, like, the LGBT people could see, like, the Easter eggs and things about the character sexuality, but straight people would be none the wiser, which, again, is just bizarre if you're putting out a film with an lgbt character in it and being like that's enough representation why are you mm-hmm. trying to suit it to people who are probably homophobic if they don't want it in it like you're making your film for the wrong group of people sort of like subtle box ticking isn't it really which obviously i think that's still happening to an extent like yeah you know a lot of shows do incorporate box ticking they call it diversity and they call it like being open-minded when it comes to like casting or like creating characters but it's just it's just not mm-hmm. it's, it's not what they think it is especially when it comes to white cisgendered a lot of the time men not all the time it's very much not what we need because they don't see especially of the straight as well like they don't yeah. they just think all oh, right this is my job i've got to create characters for everyone 
but they don't see our side of things. You know, if you don't need representation or if you've never needed representation, I think it must be a bit difficult to sort of create that representation because you sort of don't understand what it's like to look up to someone and like think that's me. Queer coding is still used today mostly to get around censorship and it's usually in children's shows. I'm sure I've seen something about Gravity Falls which is a cartoon. I used to watch that religiously. Well I've never seen it. (gasps) I don't think all of the examples of queer coding that I can find I've seen maybe two of the shows. I've seen quite a few of the ones. I, I was going to watch the 100 whenever that was about, but apparently it didn't end very well. So would you say that using queer baiting or queer coding in kids' TV shows is acceptable? What do you mean by that? Or would you prefer they just went all out? like there was a queer character and it was obvious see i think when it comes to kids tv shows i think it's always going to be well for foreseeable it's always going to be controversial with like you know parents and stuff like for example toy story 4 there was like a lesbian couple for like two seconds i kid you not i went to see that film and i did not see it i was fuming that's all i went for because i was so curious what the big like fuss was about completely missed it because it was that much of a minute scene but the amount of complaints it got from parents these kids would not have noticed Mm -hmm. at all unless i'm just like really really slow like they will not have noticed and what about the world is so progressive now which it should have been the whole time but it is now what about the kids who do have two mums or two dads and are seeing mums and dads mums and dads mums and dads and are like why is my family not being represented that's a really good point that's a good point <laughs> that i didn't actually think about until now <laughs> thank you for bringing that up honestly that must be so sort of like surreal like i don't, I don't think when all these parents are complaining about like oh these like lgbt small minute parts like or in films and tv they're not realizing that there are kids who are out there who have a mum and a mum or a dad and a dad and they don't see their parents represented. That must be quite isolating. Mm-hmm. It must feel quite strange to see someone else's family life being represented, but it's never yours. It's quite sad when you think about it. Yeah, so looking at it from that perspective, they're seeing straight couples, well, straight parents being represented, but not same-sex parents being represented. That kid themselves could be straight, mm-hmm. but they are still being impacted by the censorship on LGBT and same-sex couples because it's their family not being represented. I'm just leaving you with that. I didn't even have that written down. That came to my brain real fast. (laughs) I think we are slowly, very slowly progressing with like introducing LGBTQ plus relationships into kids TV shows. I mean, I think Andy Mack, I honestly, I have no clue what it is really. I've only seen like one episode, I think, a few years back. And I think a character came out as bisexual and they made it sort of Mm -hmm. known. It wasn't queer baiting, it was very much a canon identity. And I think it went down quite well. Obviously, you're going to get the old complaint. But I think Disney Channel is sort of catered towards more older children nowadays. Like Andy Mack was quite, uh, I'd say, like maybe like 10 11 whereas i think there's a lot of issues people have with like younger children mm-hmm. like do you see like five-year-olds for example when they went to see toy story that's like sort of aimed you can take your your little kids there can't you and beauty and the beast with is it lefou lefou gaston's we did gaston's little dude as mom calls him i think there was quite a lot of complaints about that as well that is queer catching rather than queer coding because queer catching came just after or more recently i think possibly more recently 
we are they explicitly talk about a film or TV show character as a queer character, but nothing in the actual piece shows them as queer. So the most famous case that I could find was when J.K. Rowling spoke about Dumbledore being gay. That caused a lot of uproar, didn't it? Because mm-hmm. it sort of changes your perspective on like what you viewed, like the content you viewed. It doesn't have to be like negatively skewed. It's more just this sort of new information like enters your brain, but the authors just sort of made it up and withheld that information for so long. Especially with something like Harry Potter, which is obviously that's been a series for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and she failed to mention it. And I think especially with what's come out recently, it's like, why did you even mention it at all when you're being so harsh in judging of community, specifically the trans community? Exactly. We we don't don't stand J.K. Rowling in this house, in this podcast. It's the J.K. Rowling free zone. (laughs) You can can love the art and hate the artist. That is what you take from that, I think. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time with queer catching, it's very much we thought about this part we thought that this character could be gay or lgbt in any way and we didn't think it was important enough to represent so we're just going to talk about it behind the scenes because if you've not seen online or you've not seen the interview where it's spoken about by whoever it's spoken about how are you going to know that because it's not represented i wouldn't have known I think if you look at, for example, Beauty and the Beast, I think queer catching could be linked back to queer coding because with his character, LaFau, he's sort of presented as quite a feminine presenting character. And I think that's sort of linked, like the sort of the feminine stereotype sort of reinforcing that. So even though it's not explicitly mentioned, you sort of formulate this idea based off what your stereotype, your like, subconscious stereotypes because I think we all have subconscious stereotypes I'm gonna admit it's sort of like do you know when people say they have a gaydar I think that's sort of a subconscious stereotype that people have it's often linked back to like if a boy acts feminine it's like oh that's not like a straight alignment sort of thing straight alignment behavior yeah and that takes you to your queer coding because queer coding was yeah. like this character's queer but we're not going to mention that they're queer so without knowing that somebody is queer so they've not said it but you're making all these assumptions everybody's guilty of it because we're taking in all this media you make these assumptions based off how that yeah and we're taking in all these things yeah. and then they're telling us how they should be and we're like oh that's how we should be what sort of programs like that so like understand it like that and I think that might be why a lot of people don't realize don't come to terms with their identity and like until mm-hmm. later life because they've seen so many portrayals of what a lesbian should look like what a gay man should look like and that's not them they don't associate themselves with their stereotypes that's being portrayed by that character and it sort of makes you think oh well like oh that that can't be me but then a lot of the time sometimes it's like oh that is me like that, that that's who I am so it can work yeah. both ways it's positive for some people and it's a negative for others because I think with femme lesbians we're getting better with it but a lot of the time a lot of femme lesbians don't realise until later in life that they're femme lesbians because the representation isn't all there it's sort of missing out or they portray it badly yeah and like sort of go on to all sorts of tropes and it's like no Mm -hmm. everything I read and me personally I do think that it is a marketing strategy they're trying to include LGBT people without representing LGBT people which in itself is pretty horrible but I don't even know if I would say that's better than nothing I think I actually think I'd rather have nothing than have a wee bit 
talking about marketing strategies, let's talk about Universal when it came to Pitch Perfect 3. Just, that's a nice little segue into the air. <laughs> I've been waiting all podcast to talk about this. Um, I've only seen the Tumblr post about it, so I can't comment. But rant till your heart's content, Becca, right. off you go. So, you, I don't need permission, I'm going. <laughs> right, do you know what? In the first two, I was like, mm, okay, like maybe I'm just imagining it. Like it could just be in my head. Maybe I'm, is this between, uh, this between Becca Mitchell and Chloe Beale? Right. So Becca Mitchell, sort of the main character, who it revolves around, especially the first uh, film. But in the second film, it becomes more about the other individuals as well. And like them as a group, as a cappella group. Um, there were a few things in the second film which were a bit like, oh, that doesn't scream straight to me, but okay. But they did something really despicable in the third film. And it wasn't even in the film. It was the way they advertised it. I was on Snapchat one day and this was in 2018, I think. It might have been, 20- no, it was 2017, sorry. The end of 2017. And and do you know when you're on Snapchat and you're swiping along stories, comes up with an advert. The advert that they used was of Becca and Chloe and they were sort of stood in the middle of the screen and they were about to kiss. And then Chloe turns around and goes swipe up for more. And it was like, oh my God, it's finally happening. It's actually gonna happen. Like it didn't... Does she not go into the shower and start singing with her though? No. Oh, that, like they're that both was... in the shower. Yeah, that was the first... That was like 20 minutes into the first film. Yeah, but... that's strange. <laughs> I went in the second film to sort of lie next to each other, staring at each other. When they're camping. Yeah, when they're camping. I've seen all these clips. I've not actually seen the film. And in the third film, Chloe's grabbing Becca's boobs and pushing up against the wall. But that is straight, of course. Anyways, so they tease this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And do you know what? This isn't even how bad it gets. It gets a lot worse. In the film, we thought there was going to be a kiss and there wasn't. Yeah, I got to the end of the film and I was like, maybe after the credits, maybe it's like an extra scene. Like, I was genuinely like <laughs> sobbing, like hoping, like such wishful thinking. And then mm-hmm. we found out that they actually did film a kiss. It was all set out, but they just didn't put it in the film. So there is footage of Anna Kendrick's character and Britney Snow's character kissing. So it basically was canon, but some reason universal like wrapped it out but again that takes it back to we wanted this to happen but didn't think it was important enough to include the thing is though a lot of hate got directed at anna and britney but they were like no we want to release the kiss too but it's obviously not they can't do that it's they can't get, run down to universal studios and be like give me the footage it, unfortunately mm-hmm. that would be great if they could and i think that's something else as well you don't know who's to blame yeah you don't know if it's the censorship for company or organization that are producing the film you don't know if it's the actors who were like actually i'm not comfortable doing that you don't know if it was the actors agents who were like my client is not doing that you don't know if it was the writers who were like eh, we don't really want to include that it's not important for the story we don't know who to blame so how are we supposed to speak to anybody about the issue with it or our opinions of it when we don't know who to like who to turn to Mm -hmm. i think it's sort of like a matter of uh, dwindling it down because we know that anna and Brittany filmed it and they were comfortable with it and they don't know why it didn't get released so we can rule them out but personally i think it was universal it didn't sort of pass there i don't know do you know what? Maybe, maybe it just didn't coincide with the storyline. And I think it'll be different with everybody as yeah. well. Every every case of it will be different. But then again, why did they even write it if it didn't work with the storyline? And I know there'll be plenty of scenes that aren't LGBT focused or relationship focused that have nothing to do with the storyline and all get cut anyway. But why specifically that scene? 
when they used it as promotion? That that's the issue. If they hadn't used it as promotion, I don't think it would have bothered me that much. Like I would have been like, oh, it's another sort of simple case. Maybe it wasn't meant to be. Maybe it just mm-hmm. didn't fit with the storyline. But it was the fact that they literally, literally, Chloe and Becca always flirted, and it was always like from Chloe's side to Becca. And I think that's why in the mm-hmm. promo for the Snapchat ad, they sort of made it look like Chloe was like initiating it, and then she she spoke. And it's like, why why did they go through all that trouble to make it seem like they were like gonna happen in in the third film, third and final film? If you think about it, if it's only a trilogy, it was sort of like a slow burn from the first film to the second film to the third yeah. film. So in your head, you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually gonna happen in the third film. It's all gonna like come together. I just never like. Mm-hmm. Becca even, spoiler alert, breaks up with her boyfriend in the first film. He's not even in it. Like, in the very beginning. I might need to watch Pitch Perfect. I think you should. I, I, I think you should. <laughs> in your head, you're like, okay, oh my god, like, this is going to happen. Like, she's just broken up with Jesse. They were sort of, I hate the word endgame, but like, endgame. Oh, they just set it up so much and it just never happened. Anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll calm down now. <laughs> I saw quite a bit and I can't remember the director's name but he was openly ridiculing the relationship that they'd created so they'd created a queer baiting relationship it was two straight guys and they'd created this and he was saying that the audience were reading too much into it that wasn't his intention does it and then the actors had made a joke about being on a ship as in the two of them were together as characters and this guy was like no you're just you're reading too much into it just stop like that's not what it is and a lot of people were like that's so annoying because it's clearly what they're trying to get at and then they're not following through with it it's manipulative it's like mm-hmm. we get we get yeah it's, ex- it's literally exploitation we get enough as it is when we like have a lot like stan accounts or we ship couples and stuff mm-hmm. and we do a lot of the time we do rely on, on people on characters that aren't canon because we haven't got the representation that other people have mm-hmm like obviously it's gotten better and it's improving by the day but it's not to the standard it should be still um i don't know it will hopefully one day it will get there but like it makes the lgbt plus community seem like a joke like it makes us seem it sort of fits the like stereotype like oh why does everything have to be gay like you know like a lot of straight people think oh that they're just trying to turn everything gay like i hate that stereotype so much and you always get it and it's like it's it is really toxic and damaging because it's like well what's wrong with that Mm -hmm. one what's wrong with that and two how many people do you know that are gay personally i know my whole friendship group's gay (laughs) mine too but obviously that's because i am gay and then i'll seek out people who are like me because i i feel quite excluded by straight people to be honest i had a few difficult weeks starting uni because my friend group at home is like lgbtq plus a lot of them obviously i do have straight friends too they know me and i don't know moving to uni when you don't know everyone's straight and you're just like not on that level Mm -hmm. it's it's such an adjustment but you can't really say that to them and it's never anything personal and it's not a critique either it's just like you feel panicky about it and that's what i've definitely struggled with a lot yeah like it's not something you bring up it's just i think it is a universal feeling so back to what you were saying about representation and people saying isn't everything gay. Glad report for 2019 to 2020 had said that out of 879 regular characters expected to appear on broadcast scripted primetime programming, 90 out of 879 identified as LGBTQ which is the highest that they'd seen in 15 years. So I highly doubt that they're trying to make everything gay. Mm -hmm. But I can assure you, 
that the majority of gay people will have seen the majority of the shows with the gay people in them because we're going to seek out representation. I never used to realise how important representation like is. And I think like straight people a lot of the time don't realise mm-hmm. the importance of it. You know, how important it is to see yourself. It's honestly like my lord and I do it is just a marketing scheme a lot of the time. Like, you know, with queer baiting like it's, it's to rope us in, it's to get mm-hmm. the views, it's to get the fan base. And they know that we will watch, so it's it's kind of smart in that sense. It, it is quite smart, but it's not right. <laughs> because they know that it'll reach LGBT people. And do you know, Bly Manor, I had no intention of watching. And my timeline on Twitter was filled with, oh my God, there's lesbian, it's not queer baiting, there is lesbian rape. But I didn't see any promotion for it. I didn't see any advertising. I didn't see anything like that. But my timeline was filled with it. So all these LGBT people are like, you have to watch this because it's LGBT. And it's it's amazing yeah. representation. I love it so much. We're going to do a podcast episode soon on Blind Manor. So stay are we tuned doing that for next that. week? Uh, we could do because then it'll give you more time to watch Disobedience. Let's do that next week then. <laughs> you can skip a certain scene. But yeah, I think it reaches a specific group of people. It reaches LGBT people. But it also doesn't stop your cis straight people from wanting to watch it when it's queer baiting. But then with Bly Manor, I hadn't seen anything about it. Everybody spoke about it. I don't know if it was purposefully a marketing strategy, but having LGBT characters in it is a really good marketing strategy because there's yeah. so few and far in between that as soon as we see this is good rep or somebody says this is good rep, everybody's going to watch it. And it didn't exploit them. It didn't exploit the, the LGBTQ plus community. Like, it was very... Yeah. Honestly, I cannot wait to talk about it. I think it, it was done really well. It's, it, I mean, obviously, watch it. Okay, this year, like, warning to watch it now before we talk about it in the next podcast. Because, <laughs> and you know what? I watched it because I, I did not know that there was any rep in it whatsoever i watched it because i wanted to watch a horror and it wasn't it wasn't even a i hate horror i watched it because i wanted to see the gays and see when it was all (laughs) in the last episode (laughs) yeah but keep watching it's one of the best love stories i've ever seen me me too like oh shivers chills it's so good You're making me want to talk about it. Stop it. But yeah, okay. So we'll do we'll do a podcast on that. Yeah, for me, I just wanted to watch horror. And to be honest, a lot of people have said that they don't like horror, but they want to watch it. And I honestly, personally, I I don't think I wouldn't personally consider it horror. I'd sort of consider it a mystery. It wasn't scary. I got a fright. No, I'll talk about it next time. I think I'd consider it a mystery more so. Yeah, because it's it, it's quite difficult to figure out what's going on. You've got to keep a keep an eye out because you're like, what? Wait, what? What's what's the actual story behind this? And it unfolds as like the episodes go on. So honestly, if you if you're scared of horror films, don't let it put you off because, you know, hide behind a pillow if you want. But like, it's it's not. I'm not great with horror, but it, it was good. Are there any other examples of queer baiting that you can think of? <sighs> I've got a controversial one: Killing Eve with Villanelle. Which Mal has not seen, which I think is despicable. Told you, I just avoid it. Well, if it's if somebody's like, this is queer baiting, I'm like, I'm not watching that. The thing is, I can't tell if it is or not. It is, but it's not. Do they not kiss? I've seen the kiss, obviously. Yeah, but I would, personally, this might be a bit controversial as well. I wouldn't see that as like a romantic kiss. Like, it's it's not romance. Like, for example, Blind Manor, that was also romance. 
but with Killing Eve, it's very much about obsession. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's more about obsession and like the thrill of each other than it is about love. Mm-hmm. It's not the same love that you'd see in like your typical LGBTQ plus rare. It's very much psychological okay. and sort of trying to get them to do what they want. Yeah, you never know their true intentions, especially when it comes to it's like, all down to interpretation. Yeah, it is so good honestly so then surely that is queer baiting because you can just interpret it to be gay the thing is though the <laughs> thing is though i don't i don't like queer baiting but if i was to compare the two the whole but chloe's pitch perfect scenario and killing eve it, 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 it's literally not the same like honestly watch killing eve more just watch it I've, I've watched some of it but it's um it didn't hit i think me at in. first when when i started watching it i was like waiting i knew it was going to be a slow burn but i was literally just in it for the guy like i was if the gay and then I got attached to each character and I was like oh, hold on a minute I'm sort of excited Wait, so it is it is queer beat and you've just gone back on yourself you're watching it for the gays and then there's no gay no because I knew it was going to be slow burn <laughs> <laughs> okay I don't know I'm very confused I'm very confused <laughs> on this but but basically Villanelle she is a lesbian well I'm pretty sure she is in the show so there's definitely representation there and yeah she does mainly kill everyone she sleeps with but <laughs> you know other than that it's still representation you know I don't know what's it's going on. it's all for the it's, drama it's you know Jodie Comer and she's gorgeous even if there's been a bit of controversy lately so as I was saying I'm oblivious to it I know about it because I see it mm-hmm. online and then I'm like you know what I'm not gonna watch it but I watched Once Upon a Time and see when I joined Twitter and everybody was going mad about Swan Queen I don't know if I'm oblivious to it or if like the fan base just wanted it because there was like LGBTQ fans who just wanted the two mums to be together and obviously they were they were the two mums of Henry mm-hmm. if that's how you want to put it but I didn't see anything that I would have been like they are in love with each other but in real life I'm pretty oblivious to people flirting with me too so I can't I I don't really I'm like are they just being nice or <laughs> So that was one I was oblivious to. And then the other one that I've seen the clip of, but I've not watched the show, so I can't really comment on, was Riverdale. There was two cheerleaders and they kiss, but apparently they're both straight. Betty and Veronica, and apparently they kissed to seem risque and it wasn't pure, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't for the pure intentions. I, I haven't seen Riverdale because I don't really agree with the themes in it. It's not really my type of show. No, me neither. Oh, can we talk about Dead to Me? I've also never seen that. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Right, I've got two to talk about. <laughs> oh my god, okay. But anyways, with Once Upon a Time, I started watching that when I was like, I want to say 12, 13, around that age. And I identified as straight then. So I didn't really look for representation. I didn't look for any clues or anything like that. So at the time, I don't think I sort of mm-hmm. clocked on. And I wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't in the in the fandom. I never really have been. But then as time went on, I did start thinking like, oh, this, are, they, are they onto something? Like I knew there was a big fan base for Swan Queen, which is Emma Swan and Regina Mills. So they like ship name. But I've never properly understood where, like, the whole, where it all came from. Because it wasn't anything obvious. Like, they both were very into men, had consistent mm-hmm. relationships with men and stuff. And, and to be honest, the representation in Once Upon a Time was shocking in terms of LGBT representation. There was one kiss. Who's this between? It was something to do with Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, but that was in the very, like, last season. Or, like, the season before that. But, yeah, I didn't see any. I think there was one other couple as well. Aurora, I think perhaps 
Aurora and that that was cute. Yeah, I, I, I did like that. But I thought there'd be a lot more than there was. I don't know when it comes to fairy tales, what the censorship was on that. And I've just re- remembered Dead to Me. Maul's not seen Dead to Me, which is atrocious. I keep but meaning to watch it, to be fair. Meaning to watch it and watching it is not the same thing. I will say that all the time. I'm like, yeah, it's on my list. It's on my list. It's on my list. Been on my list for like six years. Oh, no. You're going to watch Dead to Me when you're like 24. <laughs> this, is, this is not okay. But yeah, Dead to Me stars Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. And that's Jen and Judy. And they, I don't want to give it away. Don't want to give any spoilers. But basically what happens is Jen's husband passed away and she goes to a grief support group. And then Judy goes there too. And they befriend each other and become somewhat family. It's, it's a very strange dynamic. But basically they are so gay for each other. It's just not canon yet. But it's, is it queer baiting though? Or are they going to make it canon, Becca? Right, there's one last season and there's a possibility for, for it to be canon, but we'll see, we'll see. But it could be queer being. Okay, we can come back. There is LGBTQ plus content though, because Judy is bisexual. You let me know and then I will watch it. Just watch it anyway for the storyline <laughs> and the cuteness. And the, just make your own, make your own, make your own storylines with them. <laughs> So after you've got your queer coding, queer catching, queer baiting, do you think the next step would be actual representation? Or do you think we're going to be quite stuck where we are now, where there's some representation and then there's some not? Do you think we'll go all the way into representation? I think, say, you have straight characters which sort of stay in, like, will they, won't they zone? But it's not deemed as important because it's not like representation for a certain minority if that makes sense so there'll be openly queer characters with the same situations yeah i think instead of sort of trying to make everything canon and make everything sort of established Mm -hmm. we need to sort of develop an equality Mm -hmm. so i think we need to have more queer characters but they don't have to get into established relationships it can just be a mention not just a mention but like no normalizing then coming out normalizing not even coming out just i don't think all characters need a big coming out storyline like a big coming out arc i think a lot of the times it can just be mentioned in passing mm. like it doesn't have to be a big deal a lot of i mean i, I do appreciate storylines which sort of tackle the issue of come out yeah for example one day at a time yeah i love that oh, honestly i need to find out how to watch the last season but i think that that's for me I'd prefer it if it was just... It, it doesn't need to be explicitly, like, a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I'd agree. I think we're quite stuck with... We're going to be stuck with queer baiting for a while. I don't think that that'll change anytime soon. And I yeah. do think that as a younger generation, like me and you as a younger generation, are quite, like, numb to that. Just because we're just sort of like, that's kind of how it is. And we can want change and fight for change. But there's no guarantee that it'll actually change. In terms of representation, I do think that the end goal should be having LGBT characters who aren't in relationships. LGBT characters who are just characters because they can be characters. They have good story arcs, they have everything else. They don't have to be in a relationship to give them their story arc and I think that's where I'd want representation to be. Just like any other straight character. Yeah, because a lot of the time you have queer characters and there's there's a lot of jokes that are made if they do come out, it's like, what? You, You what? And it's like, it does definitely simulate like real life but I don't know. That's not everybody's experience. It's not everybody but yeah, yeah that's the thing like I did really like how Brooklyn Nine-Nine handled Rose's bisexuality 
because you you weren't expecting it, it to like happen. Like you weren't. It was it was just in a, a random episode, and she was just like, "I'm bisexual," and it was just like, oh, "What? Okay, we love that." Mm-hmm. They didn't make too much of a big fuss. I think one of the characters tried to match make out with another girl, and it was like, "Oh, not this." But but do you know right? That happens in real life. Before all my friendship group came out, I think that I was one of the first out to them, and I had one girl in the group who would be like I met this girl and she's a lesbian you should like get together and I'd be like just because I'm gay and she's gay we're not going to get together they don't match up like that that is I think that's true so like a lot of the time like yeah if you're straight they wouldn't be trying to set you up with mm-hmm. people but because you're gay it's like oh I know a gay person like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. make you do a thing yeah and it happens in real life so yeah I've not seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine it's a running theme here that I've not seen Surprise. anything that we're talking about. But topics like that don't bother me as much just because I'm like, that happened. Like we're talking about queer baiting in that and I've not seen half of it. So it doesn't bother me as much as say like bury yeah. the gays trope, um, which really, really annoys me because when they give you gays and then take them away, get raging. But we are going to talk about bury the gays as well, aren't we, on, a, on another podcast? Which yeah, will be good. eventually. I think Molly will probably go off on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will. Like, you'll I be, love you, You'll be me, like, talking about Pitch Perfect. <laughs> That'll be you. Yeah, I will. And I'm not ashamed of it. I was researching before, and there was sort of, like, an argument that I stumbled upon. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I do agree with it to an extent, because I know that I do. I sort of, like, make my own storylines up in my head for characters. And then, you know, when you read spoilers and you're like, oh, this is going to happen, you make it better in your head. And then when you watch the actual thing, you're disappointed. So I think there's, there is quite often, like, a mismatch between what viewers expect in representation and what pop culture is actually providing because we have our own demands that we want met and we are disappointed and hate a lot more because Mm -hmm. it's like we're we're looking up to them because they remind us of ourselves and when like we don't get what we hope to get it can be really deflating and I think a lot of the time we do take it out on TV show quite a lot when that wasn't their intention it's just our interpretation yeah and I think that as an argument that is quite valid like I do think there's definitely some shock and queer baiting but at the same time I think it's down to interpretation sometimes No, I agree. I think that's the difference between like your queer baiting when it's all in subtext and or queer coding maybe when it's all in subtext mm-hmm. and then queer catching where they're telling us this is gay and then not providing anything. Yeah. So then we're talking about queer baiting as if it's like really, really mm-hmm. bad and obviously it's all developed from queer coding, but queer catching's probably the worst they're all bad, but saying that there's somebody queer and then not actually following through. It's, it's definitely like a missed it's like they just can't be bothered incorporating a queer storyline for them it's like oh can't be bothered yeah. making representation for you you can just go elsewhere find it somewhere yeah. else. so thanks for listening be sure to follow us on twitter at DLDT Podcast for all our updates and then join us next week when we talk about the haunting of Bly Manor